0: Welcome to episode 3 of this Christmas special episode of Punks in Pubs. My name is Liam Bird and happy Christmas, happy holidays or whatever term you like to use. Before we start episode 3, I just want to do a quick shout out to DyingScene.com. A couple of weeks ago, they advertised the podcast on their website and also across all their social media. It was a fantastic gesture from DyingScene.com. So if you're interested in the punk scene, you want to know about what's going on or if you want to check out their music reviews or you just want to find out what band might be touring in your area go to dyingscene.com and they'll have all your punk needs on the world website right let's talk about episode three. Oh, lordy we are in for a good episode episode three is me with johnny christmas do you get it christmas Ah, fuck you. Forget it. Uh, For you guys who don't know who Johnny Christmas is, he is the trumpet player for the legendary ska punk band Real Big Fish, as well as the now-defunct ska band Forces of Evil. We talk all things Real Big Fish, from getting paid to the near breakup of the band. We find out what a Johnny Christmas Christmas in the Christmas family home is like. We also get quite deep, and Johnny also talks about depression and the need for family and friends around you we recorded this chat back in october this year during the fireball whiskey tour with anti-flag and mad caddies and actually we start by talking about fireball whiskey and diabetes good for their sponsorship i'm sure uh i'll be back after this chat with a christmas surprise for you amazing people so please stick around until the end and i'll talk to you then enjoy
1: when you're on a tour uh, sponsored by Fireball Whiskey, (laughs) oh, that makes things really hard. Oh, my gosh.
0: And and you bring your own um, fake sugar. Yeah, I bring my
1: own fake sugar because I don't want to be a diabetic because that runs in my family. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. So I got to not drink Fireball Whiskey because it's just sugar syrup. With whiskey on top, and then yeah, I got to really tame the drinking thing because I know it's going to bite me in the ass. Well, actually, my mum and my nan
0: also have diabetes, yeah. so that's something that I, I'm constantly aware of. But I'm I eat like crap,
1: like I eat right so much sugary stuff, yeah. and I'm I'm constantly nervous. The, the, for, the fortunate thing is you're still lean. And <laughs> you're, catching up. You're, yeah, you're young enough to be <laughs> s- still lean and not have the extra fat that starts to affect your pancreas working. Well, this is a great way to start. Right, yeah, let's get into a conversation about pancreatic function and uh, the cons of having diabetes. I don't have it yet.
0: Not yet. <laughs> it sounds like something you, you, you're like uh, striding for. Right, right. One well, day. I'm striving not to have it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so we're at the Bull Gate pub who have very kindly offered their function room, which is... Luxurious. Like, I, it
1: is. Sherlock's own homesy. Yeah, this is what I want my house to look like. Beautiful. Beautiful multicolored couches. Bookshelves full of wood and good books. And one of my favorite things is good books. A uh, painting of a lady with semi-clothes, with some type of sash on her, and a chandelier. Also, what we're missing is guns. <laughs> There's probably Spoken a dog. Like a true I knew American. There was a dog on the wall. At least uh, one, two, three dogs on the wall. Uh, a full bar. Oh, uh, a
0: horse and a man who seems to have a very phallus. Uh, sword. Oh yeah,
1: I wish I had my glasses on so I could. That's an awkward way to hold. He uh, for those of you that uh, can't uh, see what we're going on. We're seeing a some type of soldier in a red coat, and he has a curved sword. But it looks like it's a gigantic phallus that he is peeing with. But it's really a sword. You and think-
0: the pitch next to it there has a guy with his hat down, and it generally looks like he's trying to catch the piss. Right, right. He Or he's using his hat... Yeah, to catch his own piss. Uh. <laughs> one of the two. Anyway, that voice you can hear there is uh, Johnny Christmas or John. What do you prefer?
1: Oh, they, it's easier to keep it all one thing and just call me Johnny Christmas. My name is John. It's, that's what's on my birth certificate. My grandfather said under no way, shape, or form are you going to call this kid Johnny. And now <laughs> everyone calls me Johnny. So I'll stick with it. It's okay.
0: Well, we'll go with Johnny then. And um, this is weirdly, we are in October, but this is going to be the Christmas special. And I like that was half bitches. Out. So we got Johnny Christmas at Christmas, and seeing it is Christmas, I've actually bought you a gift. Oh, really? Legitimately bought you a couple of gifts in wrapping paper, in Christmas wrapping paper.
1: Uh, do we have any language restrictions? No. Okay, good. Because this is fucking awesome, and uh, if if I only could imagine what this is. And I'm sure it's delicious. It's a football. Right. Oh. Oh, Oh. Life of Brian. I can't get it open and hold this mic. A very naughty, pale ale called Brian.
0: Nice. Because Life of Brian now, if you don't know about Monty Python, Monty Python guys, they are like... Scrounging for money right now because John Cleese divorced, and that divorce has like cleaned them out. Really? So now they're literally putting their name on anything, and they that that reunion tour that they did recently, Uh all just because John Cleese (laughs) needed
1: the money. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure part of that. You have to be able to provide for yourself. Yeah. And uh, there's
0: no shame in it. It's just it's great for people who love Monty Python, and I do. Yeah. But I always kind of liked the fact that it wasn't. There was no product with it. It was just those those guys on stage, Except and that was the musical. It. Except, for them, well, <laughs> that was one of them. As again, that was Eric Idle, and the rest of the guys didn't really have a say in that. But they not, they, they like their paychecks, oh, oh, so
1: okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's unfortunate that art has to be a business as well, uh, because it's really really difficult. It takes so much energy and work to make art, whether it be you're painting a picture or you're recording songs or, or you know, making buildings, making buildings is art, or making a sculpture. And uh, then you have to hustle and go, hey, everybody, uh, I need to pay my rent, so it would be nice to get paid for w- w- what I do. And that's the thing, especially with musicians in particular, is everybody goes... Oh, what you do is so fun! Oh, would you come over here and play at my party? Uh, you, we don't have any money, uh, but y- you could do it for fun, right? But, but 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 wait! If if I'm going and playing your party, I am not getting paid, and I kind of need the money to pay for shoes on my baby daughter, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's. It's a bummer that it has to work out that way because we're not Beyonce, we're, we're not Taylor Swift, we uh, we, we make uh, we barely scrape by. And so everybody sees the bus and they go, "Oh, you guys must be millionaires!" And no, uh, we are definitely hundredaires. If there, there was some such thing as a hundredaire, we we are definitely uh, hundredaires. We we have uh, one hundred dollars to pay our rent, and unfortunately, our, our rent is more than one hundred dollars.
0: Isn't it weird though that that like is the entertainment? Per- the profession that is the only area where people expect you to do something f- completely for free. Right. Because right. if you were a doctor... I mean, we've got the NHS, but I mean, that's, that's not completely free because people pay it through their taxes. Right. But still, no one expects any other profession apart from the entertainment industry, and they go, oh, what? What? I need to pay now for my HBO or I need to pay for right. my music. And then people go, well, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Right. And then people complain, well, there's no, like, good TV or there's no. Well, there's right. amazing TV now, but people complain about reality TV. And the reason there's reality TV is because it's cheap. Right,
1: right. You you don't have to write a script. Well, They write basic outlines. Don't think that any of this reality television that you watch is unscripted. It is all scripted, and it's all people playing people against each other to make make a scene, which makes people watch it. Oh, it's terrible. Um, But yeah, even like recording a podcast, how do you make money with the podcast being free?
0: You don't. They- it is literally just a love. It is, is my... Uh, the reason I'm doing this is just the passion that I love for punk music and ska music and hardcore music. Right. And I enjoy it. And that's what I love about Robic Fish. Whenever I'm down, I will put on a
1: Robic Fish album. And, and it just cheers me up. Do you have a specific song or is it just a specific album?
0: Albums? I mean, one that I think is criminally under- underrated is Monkeys for Nothing and Chimps for Free. Oh, really? Because I think that gets overshadowed by, we were speaking about earlier on, that it's 21 years of Tenor Radio Off. Yeah. And I think that album is something that everyone talks about quite a lot and, and they should because it is a great album. Right. But I feel that you've got like so many other albums that are out there that no one really focuses on or really looks into and, and goes... Okay, so um, Candy Creative Fury, right? It, it made the top hundred of the uh, Billboard albums. I can, I think. Oh, that's awesome! I, 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 uh, I, I might I, just give you news there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's news to me. Uh, it's, it still doesn't translate into us making uh, <laughs> like record sales, uh, yeah. but uh, th- that's a real honor, and it's an honor that uh, we can be a part of your lives. Uh, we definitely understand that uh, what we do is an escape. And you know when somebody has a bad day, uh, there's nothing better than putting on a song that makes you feel good. Whether it's like, uh, you know, Tom Petty just passed away because we're doing this in October. Yeah. When I when I heard that, I I found out from my Instagram feed, and it was our old drummer Ryland Steen. He mentioned something said, uh, "R.I.P. Tom Petty," and I'm like, "Let let me before I get upset, let me." fact check, because you really need to (laughs) fact check, because people like to lie, if you can't tell, by watching our president um, talk, ever. So I fact checked, and it was true. Tom Petty had passed away from a heart attack. And I was, uh, as you guys would say, gutted, uh, because I grew up with Tom Petty. You know, full full moon fever uh, you know, possibly one of his biggest records uh, blew up when I was in high school. I'm trying to think about how old I was. I think I was uh, 14. Uh, I think I was a freshman in high school. This is 1989, 90. But I grew up loving all those songs, it, it, and it was kind of like the, the tail end of the the MTV era, where you were still seeing videos. Um, you, you, you saw that even with Real Big Fish up until the late 90s. But uh, there was this real connection that I had with with Tom Betty. You know, songs like I Won't Back Down. Um, which you've covered. Or, which we've covered, which uh, is an, it's an anthem for anybody in, in their life. Uh, Chris, Chris Dose, uh, the, one of the singers for Anti-Flag. We're on tour of Anti-Flag right now in the Mad Caddies. And, uh, him and I had this discussion a few nights ago in the dressing room. He was talking about, uh, how Tom Petty and his songwriting process, and he was talking about, you know, uh, I wrote the, um, speaking of the article that r- he read about Tom Petty, I wrote the song, it's called I Won't Back Down. You know, the, the chorus I Won't Back Down, I Won't Back Down, I Won't Back Down, and I Won't Back Down. Uh, And then it goes, I won't back down. So it keeps on doing that. He goes, oh, my gosh, this is so simple. Oh, this is shit. Terrible. I'm not going to put this out. And then everyone around him encouraged him to put it out. They went, no, this song is amazing. One, he was right. Or they were right. It was amazing. And it's turned into this anthem. And when you have a bad day, you, you know, the hardest part about our existence as human beings is dealing with other human beings because we are all crazy. All of us are crazy to some extent. I understand how people latch on to music now and realize how important it is to people and what we do, how that helps people out throughout the world. We've had people, a lot of people come up to us and go, this song helped me through that hard time. This record helped me through this hard time. This song saved my life like we've had people come up and say that you know and it's really hard to hold back the tears you go oh my gosh i'm so glad that we were able to do that for you how awesome is it that i could say that i saved someone's life through what i do for my job
0: Touring constantly, and there must be times whereabouts there's been something shitty happening in your life, and then you need to go on stage, and you need to bring on that energy, and you guys do. You bring in all that energy, and you have to kind of leave everything. Right. And I cannot comprehend how you can do that. I, I don't understand how you can go out there, sing such happy songs, see people dance around, whereabouts there's like something very troubling or sad. Within you, right, and not having to, not allowing yourself to release it, or you having to be something else on stage.
1: I mean, that can't be good for your mental well-being. Well, it, it actually is because um, a, a few years ago, it's about five years ago, my wife and I were having some going through some really rough times, and she was pregnant, and you know, baby coming, and and uh it was it was kind of uh you know I at that time I was in my late 30s and so you start to go is this the person I want to be married to for, for the rest of my life you know this, this is the what people joke of as a midlife crisis but it's really not something to joke about it's a real thing that all a, a majority of you are going to go through and you have to deal with it and confront it and the shows were the little bit of time that I didn't think about anything else it's the one time that you're in the moment that you're living through the experience of the people that you're playing for it's the best part of the day you go oh there's this release I'm not thinking about all the stupid things that I have said uh, to my wife or uh, thinking about What's going to happen? Uh, you know, we're going to have a baby uh, and are we going to be able to hold this together? Do you, you, you know, the other million questions that go through your minds were the other 22 hours of the day. And that's the rough part.
0: But as you come off stage, you're at the, uh, my hand's up high right now. But, uh, <laughs> and you're tall, you're I, tall, I, so exactly. it's pretty high. Um, but then you've got that crash, like just coming off stage instantly it's boom, reality again. So right. like for someone who's having a shitty day, that is constant. That is just a flat line of shitty day, shitty day, shitty day, sleep, wake up, shitty day. Right. Your shitty day, massive high, and yeah. then coming back down. It's that down that I'm talking about, where that's... I can't comprehend how you or Aaron right. or anyone else
1: can deal with that. Right, you have to find the things that that you can do that make you feel good. And uh, I'm not speaking about drugs and alcohol. It's the uh, things that, that to take care of your well being. Like for me, it's, it's going for walks. It's um, it's reading. It is writing things down when I have. Ideas or good thoughts, I write them down in a journal. That that's something that I'm finding that is really important to me. Um, engaging with my fellow band members, my the band and the crew, like going out and having dinner with those guys, and not uh, I can isolate myself really easy, and I'm pretty self sufficient. But I find that when I surround myself with with my friends, w- which all these guys are my friends, uh, I'm happier. Like y- yesterday. Um, I kind of had plans to go to dinner and uh, by myself and, and just go read. And then uh, Matt, our saxophone player, went, "Hey, you want to go and have Sunday a roast with us?" No. And, and I thought about it, and I uh, went through this process. I went, I had plans, uh, but I should take this opportunity because I'm going to be happier having surrounded myself with my friends than being by myself. And it was the right thing to do. You go and you hang out, and I had coffee, and we had Sunday roast. It was excellent. And uh, it, it was just nice. Uh, knowing that stuff about yourself is really important. I have a tensi- tendency to isolate myself. Um, and I like it to an extent, but there's times w- when uh, I really need the, the company of other human beings. And so I, I'm, I have enough uh, self-awareness that uh, I need to take those opportunities to spend time with other people because it makes me feel good.
0: I mean, you're in a band with, what, about seven seven members?
1: There's six in the band and
0: there's three crew guys. Finding that time to be alone must be quite important as well, like just to just to be be yourself. Because I, 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 it sounds like you, what you're saying is kind of like what I do. I, I sometimes, I just need, I don't know about you, if you've ever gone on a holiday with a
1: group of friends... You just want two hours alone, like Right, right. Get out of my face. like I love you, but... Right, exactly. And that's like being on tour is that holiday every fucking day. And so, yeah, the, the thing is, is I wake up earlier than everybody else. So I do the things that I need to do for myself in the morning. I usually, if it's a normal tour schedule, I will get up as soon as the bus stops and go out and have breakfast someplace and read. These sound checks have been early. They've been at noon or so they're getting into the venue at 10 o'clock and I want to go in and practice. It's another thing that's really important to me is to practice my instrument. Uh, so I haven't had the breakfast opportunity. I'm just going in and starting to practice, get some coffee and uh, get to pra- practicing and, uh, so I can play the show. Let's go back to Christmas because this is meant to be
0: Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, so what is a Christmas in a Johnny Christmas house?
2: Oh,
1: it's, it's a fucking nightmare. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Uh, uh, we go to my mother and father's house, and uh, our family is is kind of big. My brother has three kids and two grandchildren. So my brother and his wife, his three kids, my nephews, two kids. My, my brother is now a grandfather. He has two grandchildren. I mean, my, my mom and dad have great-grandchildren. My sister, who else comes down? Uh, aunt and uncle. Who else is there? Sometimes, oh, usually my wife's sister. She she has three sisters, and her husband and her two kids, and my mom and dad in a really small house. That, that their house is maybe a maybe a thousand square feet. It's it's pretty small, and it's just presents all over the floor. Oh, you you can't fucking walk. There is no place to sit because it's filled with presents because my mom spoils all those damn kids. And she's beautiful. You wouldn't have any other way? Then. Not not any other way. I, my mom just had a heart attack. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, thank you. Um, it, maybe it was six months ago. And so I make sure to relish every moment that I get to spend with her and my dad. And this has been a gradual process that, I, that I'm seeing as, as I get older is that those people that you love, no matter who they are, aren't going to be there forever. And life is really, really fragile. Um, There's this great uh, book by Sammy Davis Jr. And if if you all aren't aware of who Sammy Davis Jr. is, you... You better go and check out some Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, So Sammy Davis Jr., you know, he's one of the Rat Pack. Amazing. I I can't describe you how talented he was. Uh, Just like Michael Jackson. Um, uh, Of of course, on that same level, uh, perhaps even more talented in some ways because, you know, he could play drums. He could play trumpet. He could dance. He could sing. He's an actor. It's, uh, oh, my gosh. So he wrote a book called Yes, I Can, because, you know, he was going, coming up in the early 1900s. And uh, in the U.S., being an African-American man was not the easiest thing. It still is not the easiest thing. And, um uh, uh, the United States, unfortunately. So he, or the UK, I'm just going to throw or, that out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Or, or the UK. Yeah. There, there's still some people that discriminate un- unfortunately, uh, because of the color of your skin. So Sammy Davis Jr. wrote this book and he was talking about going to parties. You know, this is after he's already famous after everything's blown up and he's singing with Frank Sinatra and, uh, he's at this party and he sees this guy over in the corner and, uh, you know he's kind of off by himself, and it was kind of weird. So uh, he goes over and talks to him, and it's James Dean. And Sam's like, "Oh, it's re- really nice to meet you." And you know, um, and then like uh, they go away, and month passes, and he hasn't seen him again. And, but he's seen, started to see the James Dean movies come out like Rebel Without a Cause and stuff. And then James Dean passes away, uh, or gets killed in a car accident, actually. And he had this huge regret, Sammy Davis Jr., of not saying how awesome he thought, or having that opportunity to say, wow, James, what you do is really spectacular, and I really appreciate it, and uh, let me buy you a beer, or let me buy you a coffee. Having that intimate uh, appreciation for another human being If you get that chance, you know, tell your mom how much you love her, how much you appreciate uh, what she's done for you. Because being a parent is really, really difficult.
2: Slow down. You've got to slow down and take it easy. Slow down. You've got to slow down. Around and your blood's flowing fast, and your heart starts to pound. Yeah, you've been shaking the trees, but no answers fall out, just birds, nest, and leaves. You told that son of a bitch to get out of this place, so you are punching his face. You threw the telephone down when the bad news came, and then it stuck around. But you got to make it stop. And find a way to make that pressure drop. So, down. You've got
0: to slow down gift buying. How are you a gift buying? You a good gift buyer or you a bad gift buyer? Or you mean for for, Christmas? for loved ones? Yeah, for Christmas. Are you for? Do you put like a lot of process into it, or is it like you see something and go? My kid would like that, or my wife would like that, or, my mom. Uh,
1: No, there's a lot of process into it, and I'm trying to. Since our family is kind of big in a small house, I'm trying to find more experienced based gifts. You know, like I sent all of my brother's family off to do indoor skydiving. Before that, uh, I bought them all passes to go and drive go-karts all together. Because uh, I know they don't have room for stuff anymore. You're going to eventually come to this point where you go, I have too much stuff. And uh, I'm at that point And it's the experiential things. Uh, that you get to do that are more important like spending uh, taking my mom and dad out to dinner or out to breakfast with my wife and my my daughter that that's really important so i i can't give them a gift um per se of a, a thing that they would that they really need what they need is time together with us so uh I do that that type of stuff.
0: And how are you at the fake? Oh, this is this is nice. I'm really good at it. Are you? Yeah, okay. I'm. Oh, so really is that the good. bottle of beer right there? <laughs> this is amazing. No, Thanks uh, we, so much. We, uh,
1: we are huge beer drinkers, and uh, we will try this tonight. It's got to be got to be chilled, but we'll definitely yeah, try it.
0: You definitely you got one more there, but we can open that later on. Oh, good, good. good. Um, so. In terms of um, family, are are you a uh, drinking family? Do you, like Christmas time? Do you all drink wine and get beer and then
1: all kind of pass out later on? Or you're like no, moderation. My brother and I and my my brother-in-law are all huge beer nerd fans and whiskey fans, and um, so it's sometimes it's just the three of us. Sometimes, but it's not every time. It's it's like. I can take it or I can leave it. I don't have to drink to have a good time. It's, it's not an absolute necessity. My mom and dad do not drink um, and never have. My mom has never had a sip of alcohol in her life, which still blows me away. She's been here uh, 73 years and still hasn't had a beer. Which is pretty wild, or or a uh, a pina colada, or a margarita. You know, some of the good things. She ever
0: had a mocktail, like a non-alcoholic cocktail? Uh,
1: You know, I, I don't think so. She's no. Wow, it's crazy. So uh, I can take or leave the alcohol. It's it's no really big deal whether I have it or not.
0: So one of the things when I was doing a bit of research, and I do do a bit of
1: research for... Good, uh, I appreciate that. Cheers. I appreciate that you're not going up here going, um, well, um... um. Tell me about Take On Me. Uh, Right. Uh, (laughs) So, uh,
0: how'd you get your name? Uh, (laughs) Galaxy Quest. Right. Were you in
1: Galaxy Quest? I was. What were you doing in Galaxy Quest? Playing bass. uh, (laughs) All things. Uh, So... Uh, when I was going to college, um, somehow uh, one of my trumpet teachers uh, had gave my number to um, to a contractor that would contract um, what they call in the industry called sidelining. So that that's when you hold an instrument and uh, you're not necess- necessarily playing, but you're kind of acting. Um, throughout um, th- throughout whatever this scene is. And so and my first actual uh, sideline thing was in a movie called oh my gosh the, uh, the Cable Guy with Jim Carrey and Matthew Broderick.
0: One of my favorite Jim Carrey movies and right. it's massively underrated. Right.
1: It, it's excellent. It's an amazing it, movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jim Carrey plays this weird, strange, obsessive cable guy, and he's stalking Matthew Broderick in a uh, really, really crazy, creepy. Oh gosh, he's so creepy in that. And uh, so I worked at Medieval Times. Uh, Medieval Times, for of you that don't know, it's a it's a mock castle in america there's a few of them. Um, they may even do it here, but y- you really actually had medieval times, so there it's it kind of loses the luster I
0: think there's one down um, near, uh, tower tower hill in london there's an, an area in London called Tower Hill, which is where where people confuse the London Bridge. They think that Tower Hill Bridge is London bridge, and that 's actually the one that was bought by the Americans right thinking they were buying Tower Bridge. The one that's in Lake Havasu. Yeah, oh, right? yeah. <laughs> you got the completely I, wrong on one. i <laughs> There you go. And I got the complete wrong one. But just down, uh, a little bit down the, the water, you've got um, what you're talking about, whether it's all medieval and there's a, a pit in the middle and people right. dream, eat mutton and have meme wine
1: and right. stuff like that. Right, yeah. right. They had Cornish game hens and sliced potatoes <laughs> and wine. And I played trumpet for for that uh, while I was going to college. They asked, hey, does anybody want to uh, be an extra in this? The movie I'm like no I gotta go to school I, I don't have time and so um, they, they called me up and said hey the people the, that were looking at you said they want you to be on film and I'm like okay so at that time when I was 18 I had long blonde hair you know halfway down you know my back and stuff uh, this was 1994 and uh, so uh, I got called to do it and played trumpet on it and met Jim Carrey. He was a sweetheart, a very nice gentleman. And then I got called to do other things. So I uh, played in a movie called The Other Sister with Giovanni Rabisi And uh, I played trumpet in that. This is revolving around trumpet. And then I got called to uh, do Galaxy Quest. So in Galaxy Quest... The contractor was all, hey, I, I know you're a trumpet player, but do you have any other instruments? I went, yeah, I, I play guitar poorly and have a half stack. He's all, great, bring it. So I loaded up my truck with my amp and my guitar and came down, and we set up on the side of the stage at the Palladium. So I had no idea what, what this movie was, no idea. And I see the, the, these shirts, you know, you know, it's supposed to be this convention, like a Star Trek convention, the Galaxy Quest convention. And I see these shirts with this really pretty blonde lady. I go, wow, she kind of looks familiar. I, I don't know who she is. So we start filming. All of a sudden, this really beautiful blonde lady shows up. She, she starts talking to us. And I went, I, I know her voice. I, I, I know this woman's voice. I just don't recognize her. And so we're we're doing more takes, and you know we're mock playing, and then then she she goes, "Can you guys actually play?" And I went, "Yeah, kind of." And so she's all, "Turn on your amps, and I want you to play in between takes." Oh, okay, one of the other guys was actually a good guitar player, and he had brought in a bass, and so here. You wanna switch with me? You can play the bass. Okay, I'll play the bass. And we're playing and, and like this is where they filmed the Blues Brothers, the, the original Blues Brothers. Those when they're supposed to be on Lake Wazapomani, that the indoor at the very end of the movie, that's the palladium in in Hollywood. And so we're in that same building. And we kind of have, like, the same same setup. All these people out there, everybody's clapping and we're playing and stuff. And uh, I, I'm playing bass, and, and all of a sudden it hits me and it goes, Oh, that's Sigourney Weaver. Oh, my gosh, that's Sigourney Weaver! <laughs> and she was just this sweetheart of, of a woman, um, and it was just a pleasure to have shared the stage with her.
0: So any other movies? Galaxy Quest, Cable Guy... The other one I can't remember now.
1: <laughs> uh, the other sister, is Is there anything else? So, could you make a career out of this? Just being like a background uh, no. band person? Not unless you, you don't want to ever own a home or. If, <laughs> if you want to live on the sidewalk, yeah, you can. If, if the sidewalk is some, with the sleeping bag, you could be a sideline musician, a professional sideline musician. Good life, yeah. <laughs> so let's get to Rubik Fish because I'm sure there's people
0: listening who want not going. Just talk about Robic Fish. So you joined in uh, 2004.
1: Is that correct? 2004. Yeah, I've been in the band half its life. How did you end up becoming part of Rubik Fish? Uh, I was going. Uh, well, first uh, Derek Gibbs, our Robic Fish's bass player, now bass player. He and I went to high school together, and we were in high school band together. He played trombone and tuba and euphonium, and I played trumpet. Him and I always hung out and uh, rode motorcycles in the desert and um, worked on cars and stuff. We, we did all, all those fun things um, together, and I've been friends with him ever, ever since. So it's been uh, 28 years that I've known him. I was at home from university, from uni, uh, one weekend, and I was in the room practicing, and I hear this knock. And it's Derek. Hey, John. I open up the door. What's up, dude? And uh, he's all, you want to come play with this band? Our our, um, trumpet player uh, quit to become a Jehovah's Witness. That's Tyler. Tyler Jones. No, that's uh, Jose from Save Ferris. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. we can get into to Tyler later. That, <laughs> yeah, that's how I eventually got into Real Big Fish. He couldn't hang out with a band called the Forces of Evil that drank and swore and, you know, had songs like, Fuck, fuck You, You Motherfuckers, because uh, he was a Jehovah's Witness, and they don't let you do anything. So I, I went, okay, I'll come, I'll come and rehearse. And I rehearsed and recorded the tunes and then uh, so that was a sunday and then i played the first gig with that band with aaron barrett on on guitar and uh chris Colonier on trombone johnny troop on trombone jay lafayette another trumpet player and um and justin ferreira uh, the ex drummer from roba on drums and played played that show and then then all of a sudden it was like I was in the band No, nobody asked me they're like, hey you want to be in the band it was like okay our next gig is here you know there was like no discussion it was just like okay you're going to be there and I went oh, okay well thanks <laughs> So that led to me doing, like, uh, since Aaron was on tour with Roblox Fish, I started doing all the business stuff for The Force Eagle. I got all the T-shirts made, helped produce the record. I got the record uh, pressed and started doing all the accounting and stuff. And um, he would sell or or he would have um, our merch guy, our, our old merch guy, The Chib, somebody called The Chib. Uh, sell the the Force of Evil CD at the Warp Tour when they were doing the Warp Tour in 2003, and then he would send me back money in the trailer. Like he would go, he would send me, uh, call me, or send me a text and go, "Hey, the money is in a whale in the trailer." There's a whale in the trailer, and so that's all I get. This mysterious message: that the money is in the whale in the trailer. So uh, you know uh, he's already off to someplace else doing another show, and the trailer comes back after the tour. So I go and open up the trailer, and I'm looking around. And there's a whale, and there's like a big stuffed whale, the size of a small dog. And I look at it, and it's got a slit in it, and it's full of money from all the the forces of evil CDs sales at the the warp tour. So I was doing crazy stuff like that and playing Forces of Evil gigs when Aaron was not on tour with Real Big Fish. And eventually it got just to be too much for him because he never had a moment off because we were playing uh, every weekend when he was home and then Real Big Fish was was really, really busy and uh, it eventually just imploded and he didn't want to do it anymore.
0: Tyler Jones. Before we get into Tyler Jones, um, let's open this present. I <laughs> will leave suspense. So, if you want to open, this is also your present as well. Oh, great! So, the next Christmas gift, and uh, while you open it, I'll ask you um, a question. I'm so excited. So, I mean, Tyler, you were about to talk about Tyler, and the reason I bring up Tyler is because I bought a live DVD, which was. Um, the, uh, the
1: show will go off. The
0: show will go off. And right. Tyler, for me, always stuck out on that show because right. he was such a big personality. Right. And he... I, I don't know if it was real Jack Daniels, but I always remember watching it thinking... That guy, it was so real. It was real. He's just swigging that and he's still standing. Like, how is he still standing? Right. And then he left. Or he got
1: fired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Tyler imploded because that guy that you see there on... On the stage is the guy off the stage. That doesn't work when you have to live with uh, 10 other people in close quarters. He wasn't able to shift gears and turn that off. And so it started to make people's lives, you know, on the bus, uh, you know, around him miserable. And uh, I love Tyler Jones very much, and he's a good human being. He just does not know how to dial the dial back, so uh, it's not on 10 all the time. I hear Paul Desmond, and it's Blue Rondo a la Turk, and uh, I haven't heard this in a long time, and it's beautiful.
0: What wind instrument is that now?
1: It's an alto saxophone.
0: There you go.
1: Beautiful. Gorgeous.
0: Just so people know what you just opened up, uh, I have bought you a Iron
1: Maiden beer. The Trooper. Yeah, we saw this yesterday when we were getting Sunday roast. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. They had it on tap. Beautiful. So uh, I, I I drink coffee because I don't drink before the show. Uh, Smart. (laughs) So I will be excited to try this. Excellent. Well, happy Christmas. Well, thank you so much. Okay.
0: So let's get back to you joining. So, how how
1: was it that you ended up replacing Tyler? Since I was doing all the business stuff for The Force of Evil, I was dealing a lot with Real Big Fish's manager because he was managing this band, or The Force of Evil, too. And so he kind of saw the writing on the wall and he said, Get ready, and gave me a stack of CDs. And he said, learn everything. And again, it wasn't like an asking type thing. He said, get ready. Okay. Uh, he's, and he told me a little bit about what was happening. And I went, okay, uh, I will take care of it. And then I just started methodically going through each one of these records and learning all all these songs. It um, wasn't, oh, they give you the sheet music. You know, I went to music school, and you know, when you go to music school, all the music is on the paper, and you're reading all these tunes. I had never... Uh, had somebody go give me a stack of CDs and go learn all of these, learn all of these parts. And so that was a real fun change for me uh, and great training, great ear training. And uh, I'm, I'm happy that I got to do it, but it was over a year before Tyler finally left. And then I picked up right after we, right after they finished the, uh, the cheer up, album cycle, and then we went right into the studio and recorded uh, We're Not Happy Till You're Not Happy. I
0: mean, Ruby Fish are synonymous with and changes for good or for bad right right um, so how is that within the within the group because obviously you get attached to a person and then someone leaves for either family reasons or it's just not working out right and it must change the dynamics of the band and how it feels on a tour bus especially for someone new coming in right so how did it feel for you coming in i mean you kind of already knew a few of the people a few of the guys so i'm guessing it was easier for you to integrate right but for a new person coming in how how can that how how is that and was- also
1: for you I well. so excited to uh, to be able to make a living playing music that I, I was I was there fresh of breath, <laughs> fresh of breath there, uh, breath of fresh air because things were getting really tense in the band. You know, that's why Aaron formed the Force of Evil. That's why uh, Scott formed the Littlest Man Band. They all thought that it was all going to implode after Cheer Up. Just nobody was getting along. Uh, they didn't think that that record... Would be as successful as the other ones because it was a little different. It was more pop record, more pop rock record. I love that record, by the way. It's one of my favorites. So I came in and uh, you know I had been struggling uh, before that. I had been you know teaching lessons. I had dropped out of college, dropped out of university, and uh, been teaching and freelancing. I've been playing salsa bands and big bands, playing classical trumpet, playing weddings, um, you know anything I could to somewhat make a living playing. What I wanted to do is tour the world and play great music for people that loved it. So I was ecstatic getting into Real Big Fish. Hopefully when I came in, I played well. That really helps to tighten up the band, to have somebody that wants to to play the same thing every time the same way. Because it it, it had gotten a little uh, squirrely uh, with people messing around. And now the band is not like that. We play the same thing... Uh, in each song. You you know, things in the show change, but the songs will be exactly like they are on the the record. You you know, phrasing is good. Uh, You know, cutoffs are... uh, Speaking from the the horn section, uh, you know, everything is together. I think that's something that we do really well now is we play really, really well together as as a band, and uh, uh, hopefully I am part of that. So when I came in, I was really fucking happy. And so that kind of rubbed off on the other guys and they they started saying, you know, every, every day around you is like Christmas. And then they started calling me Christmas. And so that's how I got the Johnny Christmas uh nickname. Just because I, you know, I was there, had a good attitude and wanted to be there. That's you know, whenever you have a job in your life, do it to the best of your ability and Get along with those people around you, and that's going to take you a long way. So much of life is having a good attitude and a good work ethic. Those cannot be discounted. Nobody wants to be around somebody that's grumpy, especially when you're living with people. If people are grumpy, and it doesn't mean that you can't be sad or you can't be moody at times. It's that when you have people that are in an organization that are sour, it's like a cancer, and it brings everybody down. So I was really happy to to have a job.
0: Unfortunately, we have to finish for time. Unfortunately, time has caught up with us. Um, And I didn't even get to talk about Johnny Christmas Lessons from the Road, episode Uh, one. All right. (laughs) Um, I wanted to talk about motorcycles. I wanted to talk about a major label. Um, More about you growing up and your trumpet. So next time you're in town.
1: Yeah, we're going to have to record part two. Exactly. Thank you for coming. And happy Christmas. Uh, Thank you. Have a wonderful holiday, everybody. And... Ho ho ho.
2: She called me late last night, say she loved me so Did not matter anymore? i say she never cared and that she never will. I do it all again. I'll
0: was episode three of punks in pubs with johnny christmas hope you enjoyed as much as i enjoyed talking to johnny uh thank you to johnny for taking the time to talk to me and for also being open and honest i'm looking forward to part two next time that real big fish guys are back in the uk right as promised i have a little christmas treat for you four years ago this month bbc radio one put out my very first radio documentary That documentary happened to star Against Me's frontwoman, Laura Jane Grace. The programme was called My Punk Rock Transgender Story. Not my choice of a title. So why am I telling you this, apart from trying to swell my own ego? Well, I've put it up on the Punks and Pubs SoundCloud site for you guys to listen to for free. If you're a Laura Jane Grace fan or just want to understand more about transgender issues, go to the Punks and Pubs website, which is www.punksandpubs.com, Go to the podcast section of the website, a private link that will allow you to stream the doc. You need to go to the website to get that private link. You can't listen to it if you go straight to SoundCloud. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Follow the pod on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at punks and pubs tell your friends about the podcast together we will grow and don't forget if you're going to a punk show if someone falls down you pick them back up right that's it from me have a happy christmas a happy kwanzaa and all that good stuff thank you for your support in 2017 i'll talk to you in 2018 and have a happy new year
2: (laughs) bye-bye